0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP-01005.
0: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au. bsv Big
2: Opinions, The Panel. Talk, talk,
0: yeah, it's panel time here on uh, SNZ Morning. Sam Hewitt uh, filling in for Smithy. Uh, he's back tomorrow. He's on a plane at the moment. And uh, we have uh, sports commentator and journalist, Lavina Good on the phone, and the boss dog, uh, Reuben Bradley in studio. And uh, we've got like this little um, screen that Ruben's bought in. It's got my salary, and it's just ticking down with every uh, <laughs> negative comment I make. Reuben, I'm under a lot of pressure here, mate. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah so you should be as yeah. well. I've, uh, the notes here, you have got, you got think? a big notepad? Well, see, you think the notes of what I might comment on the panel that- <laughs> actually notes in your performance and the way you adjudicate this panel. Oh my gosh,
0: here we go. Um, Sorry, Lavina. <laughs> Lavina joins us uh, on the phone. Um, let's start with the um, the Women's Cricket World Cup, because that's obviously been the talk of the last couple of weeks. Um, I guess no surprises. Yesterday, it was, you know, the most dominant team at the tournament, the most dominant team in women's cricket, Australia. But, I don't know, Lavina. maybe we start with you. Were you, I guess, surprised at um, the way that England, I guess, didn't put up much of a fight, you know, we thought it might be a little bit closer, were you surprised at that at all or was it just, you um, know, a symptom I... of the fact this is a very dominant Australian side?
2: First of all, I thought the tournament was outstanding, I thought the coverage was remarkable and it's done so much for women's cricket, not just here in New Zealand, but globally so I thought that was outstanding, I was really disappointed with the performance of the Kiwis, I, I think that there's, there'll be some changes not just because of how they performed out on the pitch, but I do think that their leadership team and some of their The players that have been around a while, they'll have to make some changes and and have more players challenging for positions, both bowling and batting. So that's something that they'll have to consider. But in terms of Australia's performance, I I think judging from what they did in the semi-final against the West Indies, I'm not surprised that they reigned supreme against England. And I've just got so much to say about Alyssa Healy. I mm. mean, I know her uncle was a pretty good wicketkeeper and her husband can bowl as well. But she did so well in the semifinals. She got 129 in the semis and then, you know, comes out and, and has that hit in a, in a final of a, you know, World Cup ODI. And Australia have won 40 of their last 42 matches. So they're the very best team in the world. They could possibly be the best women's team ever to come and compete in an event like this. And I, I just take my hat off to them. They were outstanding. The tournament was great. Lots of work to be done for the New Zealand side.
0: I was actually going to ask, Smithy. we've got him on later in the show, if, if this may even be one of the most dominant cricket sides, men or women. I mean, can, Ruben, can you think of a men's team that has been as dominant as the women's Australian r oh, no,
1: team? No, definitely not. And I think uh, it, it's always occurred to me that, tournaments threaten and, and teams threaten to absolutely dominate a tournament but but never quite yeah. get there you know that there's always one game perhaps where they trip up mm-hmm. or but this from start to finish nine and zero, oh, and, and not a game where they were threatened basically I've always thought that the All blacks threatened to do that one year at the World Cup and they almost did that in 2015 I except think 2015 that, was that South Africa safe, game required yeah. that drop goal but this australia Australian team has done it and it's one of, uh, I can't think of another example of someone uh, of a team that so bossed a tournament that no one got within, not a game was close.
2: I really think it's important that we mention from 2017 onwards and that's when they were defeated by England and England went on to, to beat India for the World Cup. Australian cricket came out and said the only way we can be a dominant force in the World Series is if we inject a whole lot of money and a whole lot of support into women's cricket. Now that hasn't happened here yet and a decision will have to be made by cricket new zealand as to whether or not they want to inject more money into the women's game to make them more of a dominant force that's what happened in 2017 for australia these women were able to be full-time cricketers and not just have to be working as well to bring in an income and also look after their families, they could put all of their time and effort into cricket. And and that's the solution. You mm-hmm. put more money into it, you give these players an opportunity to be better, and that's what Cricket Australia have done. And hats off to them. As a result, they have the best women's cricket team in the world and the winners of the World Cup.
0: Absolutely. Um, Ruben, I know your um, kids have gotten a little bit into the Cricket World Cup as well. Um, You know, we saw in 2015 with the Black Caps and the run they went on and, you know, making the final and what that sort of did for cricket in New Zealand, the numbers went up and all that sort of stuff. What do you think, A, this tournament is going to do for women's cricket and maybe cricket in general for New Zealand
1: moving forward? And also, B, why do you think it was such a successful tournament? What did they do so well? ha, huh, great question. Um, I think that it will do a lot. I think I'm looking at my kids who were watching this tournament, four and six years old, and th- what was I think so encouraging is there was no question of this was a women's tournament or a second tier tournament which over the years sadly is is, is how um, women's sport has been treated and it was so refreshing and that was probably what would make the difference here is that I, the ICC and credit to those organisations that maybe maybe late but those organisations have finally come to the party and said okay we need to run this tournament full noise, mm. we need the A commentary team, we need to run all the venue things Things just like we do for the uh, elite men's game we need to give that equal treatment uh, in those ways and I think those are the key factors that make this a classy well-run absolutely professional tournament and I think that's probably the key difference.
0: Lavina what, what's been the standout for you this tournament what's sort of propelled it to the sort of I guess heights that we're all talking about?
2: When I went, it was interesting, Ruben was mentioning that about the coverage. I, I really think the coverage has been remarkable. Like you wouldn't know if you're watching men or women's mm. cricket, and that's what I think is outstanding. The quality of the cricket has been superb. The fact the fans couldn't go, but then they could, made it even more interesting. So I think in terms of um, the the value of cricket that we were able to see, it was very high, made it very entertaining and you know you've got a really good product when your team's not winning but people still watch now i've been Mm. an ardent warriors fan for a very very long time and they continue to lose (laughs) and thank god for other teams in the competition because the nrl is such a brilliant product right So they run it so well the cricket was exactly the same when the ferns were losing it didn't matter because the cricket was so superb the coverage was so good and that that's great for world cricket in general. Another quick hats off as well to Sophie Devine, the captain um, of the firms. I just think she's a, a tremendous leader. She's a brilliant communicator and she's also uh, dealing with type 1 diabetes day in and day out, you know. So she's having to manage her sugar levels on top of managing a team and being one of the best cricketers in the world. She's done so much for cricket in this country. I think she's just... Been a fabulous ambassador
0: for the sport. Mm, she's a remarkable individual. Another um, remarkable individual will take the field for the final time this afternoon. Ross Taylor, last game for the Black Caps, and we've got people to text in on double eight double three. what they think Ross Taylor's final score this afternoon is going to be Reuben Bradley. We'll start with you, your prediction this oh. afternoon. <laughs> and don't say zero like Trent did on the text machine.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I think it's going to be about 17 off 36 I just I, I don't know on, I just Reuben. I'm not feeling particularly optimistic after the last couple of days and it's some I I love watching Ross Taylor bat but I, I have forever felt on edge watching him. I've never felt like when when Kane goes out, uh, you just feel rock solid and increasingly Tom Latham now uh, as well. I've always loved Ross and the record stands for itself and so on, but when I watched Ross, I always feel on edge and never knowing which one is going to be a performance or which one is not going to be. He
0: he is one of those players that he um, once the innings gets going you feel comfortable, but I'm sort of in your and remember there was a big patch there where he was notorious for running out his partners. (laughs) A big patch there? It's
1: Pulled, <laughs> his career. Uh, he's gotten
0: slightly better. He's gotten slightly better. But um, I guess it does matter too whether we're chasing or sitting this afternoon, doesn't it? Because if we are chasing a low total, he's not going to have the chance to yeah. go out big. Um, Lavina, what's your prediction for this afternoon for Ross Taylor's final game? First,
2: first of all, Ruben, are you drunk? Are you drinking beer again? <laughs> <the> morning, mate? <laughs> Talking about the highest run scorer across all four maps. He's playing at Seddon Park, which is beautiful, just up the road from there. In fact, I'm going to get off the phone to you and text a few of my buddies. And see if they want to go to Hamilton and watch uh, Ross Taylor do his book on because he scores at least 50 runs, not just for his family or for his country, but for himself. I mean, he's played like 449 matches for New Zealand, scored 40 centuries, and, and 21 of them have been ODI. So I'm, I'm going to pay homage to this guy. I'm going to take some buddies. And
0: not only do I expect him to score 50 runs, but I reckon he'll even take a wicket. How oh, about that? That would, be the, he, that would be the dream. He did it in, his, uh, it in his final test match, didn't he? he um, someone, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Someone said here he'd take five catches in the slips. So that's their <laughs> sort of, you know, if he doesn't get 100, <laughs> he'll get five catches uh, in the slips. Um, the panel with uh, Lavina Good and Ruben Bradley, we've got to take a small break for news. Uh, want to talk some NRL? Want to talk some NRL and a little bit of Super Rugby, but uh, we'll get some news now at 10.30. The Panel Talk, talk, talk Then talk to me, yeah Yes, the panel here on ECNZ Mornings, we've got a uh, sporting commentator and journalist, Lavina Good, and the boss man of ECNZ, uh, Ruben Bradley. Or well, how would you like to be introduced? Yeah, like, I was just going to say, sporting uh, yeah, I think,
1: expert, I don't slash. think that's the official title. Just content manager. Just content manager. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just watching myself here.
0: Uh, let's talk a bit of NRL. I've just,
1: just got to scribble that on the notes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I could, why do you already have five pages? I, mean, I haven't even been talking that long. Um, let's talk some NRL, um, and we'll get to the Warriors very, very shortly. Thursday night's game between the Titans and the Titans. Uh, Tigers, was arguably the worst game of rugby league I've ever seen in my life. It only went up from there, which is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, was it worse than, I didn't see it, was it worse than the Warriors? The Warriors-Tigers t- was, was, <laughs> was the previous wow. record, Ruben, and then a Incredible. week later it
0: was toppled. <laughs> um, but it did get better over the weekend um, with some great results, some great games as well. Um, the panthers Rabido's that was an awesome game, but the Warriors uh, got a a decent win over the Broncos and the Broncos were favourites with the bookies going into that, um, but the Warriors uh, 20 points to six uh, over the Broncos. Uh, Lavina, I know you're a big rugby league fan, how uh, how impressed were you with that performance?
2: I, I was actually really impressed with the Warriors, I don't often say that early in the season, I mean that was a pretty scrappy game the week before against the Tigers and they should have had the win against the Titans but just had too many errors. Um, but I think what I, I, I really liked most about the Warriors is that they had some structure in their attack. Um, the first couple of weeks they've played, it's almost like that they get within their own 20. It's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We don't know. And I don't know if that's just because Sean Johnson's back because he's such a good orchestrator or that they'd been told, how about not so much fancy pants? How about we play pretty simple rugby league? Wait for the opposition to make the mistake. If the opportunity's there, let's take it. And if not, let's wait for it. So the halves kicked perfectly. They put the ball in the right place because the halves set up all the field position. It was up to the big pack and the forwards to maintain that position and take it forward. So it was a simple philosophy from Nathan Brown and I think having Sean Johnson back just made the difference for the side and it was good rugby league. I actually enjoyed the rugby league. It was good to watch and I hope to see more of it from the Warriors and the lesson there I guess is you don't always have to be the entertainers. You can sometimes just play basic footy Mm. and beat a massive opposition.
0: And they still have, you know, they still have those guys that are naturally exciting, like Reese Walsh. You know, gets a bit of open play, and he does excite. You know, you don't have to be, like you said, flashy on every play. Ruben, you're a, yeah. a
1: massive Warriors fan. <laughs> I um, had been so surprised in the early part of the season how much, you know, uh, grief Sean Johnson had come in for. Not not because he wasn't playing poorly, but just it felt too soon to be jumping all over him. And I just felt like he was being written off quite. Early on, and it just felt bizarre. And also, the team in general, as well, had been treated a little bit in that way. And statements of "must win," which didn't appear to be being used ironically or or as a little bit of a gag, it seemed like people were already approaching it in this way. And it felt, you know, much too soon for that. Um, but yeah, I also think it's important not to, as as ugly as last week was, uh, important not to that psychological of still getting that win and there was a bit of luck and the Warriors did all they could to try and throw that game away a couple of weeks ago Mm. but I think you know sneaking out the other side of it with the victory then holds you in good stead so you have that fluky confidence or you know but perhaps unearned confidence that you bring into the next week and then you get a win that you earned a little bit more.
0: Yeah I think to your point about the must win because I know that was talked about um, with us last week and I think it was I don't know if it was must win in the sense that like we're out of the eight and that sort of thing but it was must win in terms of the confidence in terms of the fans believing that you know yeah we do actually have a pretty good team and once things start to click you know we, and we if top you don't
1: win this game then I th- it's clear that you're probably not going to be good enough in the long run probably yeah. was and, the sentiment and
0: sure. that was sort of that I was actually going to ask you about this Lavina because it was a good performance by the Warriors and it was enough to get over the Broncos but when you see those top teams playing when you see Penrith when you see Melbourne you see Paramount matter and you compare them to Warriors it's enough to get over the Broncos but is it enough for them to get over teams that are above them on on the ladder?
2: I watched all the footy at the weekend. The Panthers are by far, hands down, uh, the best team in the competition at the moment, even on the back of um, the Melbourne Storm, winning 44-0 against um, Canterbury. And they were winning. Penrith were winning without Nathan Cleary, so he's back. Mm. They've got everything ticked off at the moment. Mistake-free footy. Their halves are connected. They know their purpose. They're doing everything that's needed. And the forwards um, aren't bludging. They're working really, really hard. So they're, they're ticking all the boxes. The Warriors at the moment aren't ticking all the boxes, but... What I did like about their performance is, is it wasn't riddled with errors, which their first two rounds were. So the only way that they're going to continue in this competition and win is to make sure that they don't make those mistakes that they made against the Titans. As for the yields last night, the entertainers, oh, my God, they reminded me back of the 80s, eh? <laughs> I know it's been 30, 36 years since they've won a title, but was I watching Brett Kenny, the Zip Zip Man, was Peter Sterling oh. out there and Ray Price? I mean, was that the team last night? Mitch Moses, you know? Yeah. And I feel sorry feel sorry for the Warriors when we know they've got to come up against these teams. They've got the Cowboys next who who lost against the Roosters. So they're they're you know, running around with their tail in between their legs. So every game is an important game to the Warriors. But if they play mistake free footy, they're in with a stance and, and they're rewarding their fans by playing mistake free footy as well.
0: I agree. A stadium was absolutely rocking for that Eels game um, last night and they did not fail to deliver. Um, another story that has been um, surfacing this morning um, is a video of Payne Haas and Albert Kelly of the Broncos um, involved in a little bit of a brouhaha and um, I guess off the back of a loss, it doesn't look good. I don't know if it's confirmed when or where that video was shot. That could have been, I guess, earlier in the year or whatever, but
1: it's it's not a good look rubes for a side that's just come off the back of a hard loss as well. No, absolutely not and it, um, it sort of speaks to something I've been thinking about a little bit, you know uh, team harmony and club harmony and backroom harmony, you know, it often just comes hand in hand with good results or bad results, so you you know, it's often quick to go, oh there's obviously some fundamental things wrong at such and such club or such and such team, but often what's going on is you're not performing and then the the, 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 the um, Inverse seems correct as well. It's like, wow, that team has got great harmony. They've clearly got things uh, organised. The HR situation of that club is just humming. Probably business uh, is relative to this as well. It's like, you're winning. Of course everyone's happy.
0: Yeah, but the Panthers are a good example of that. You see them on the field and and it literally just looks like a bunch of mates and they've cultivated that over a number of years and it clearly has helped their success. I mean, as Lavina said, they are the number one team. Well, true. Lavina, what do you make of it all?
2: Yeah, I think it's, Ruben makes a good point. Team culture is something that's massive in the game of rugby league. We've had the rat bags in the past, and I love the game. I'm addicted to rugby league, and so many of the players that I've adored in the past have brought it into disrepute, and we don't need them. I think a, a club with good team culture, where they're not you know, going out on that mad Monday and Uh, doing stupid things to puppy dogs, which we've seen many times before. We don't necessarily Mm. have to name Mitchell. Oh, I I named him. I I really think that the team culture is a massive thing. And um, hopefully... You know, the Warriors are moving into that healthy team culture. I know when Steve Price came over from Australia, the first thing he said is, I don't want all the pissheads in the team. I don't want everyone getting drunk. I want people that are here to play and be committed and determined. And you've got a few clubs out there, and Broncos might be one of them, that aren't within that team culture harmony at the moment. But the Melbourne Storm, the Penrith Panthers, that have all had great recruitment policies, kept these kids from when they were young and just keep producing superstars. If their team culture is healthy, that'll reflect on their performance and also on their position on the ladder.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, just quickly before we let you both go, um, a little bit of Super Rugby chat. Now, I know you don't watch a lot of Super Rugby, Ruben. I mean, firstly, why is that? Because I don't watch as much as I used to as well. What What about it for you has sort of waned over the years?
1: Oh, look, I did, honestly, it's just a time commitment. To completely be completely honest uh, you know that's a lot of a lot of super rugby to watch or a lot of NRL like there's a lot of sport on in the weekend and you know there's a there, there was a day of watching all of the cricket you know and there yeah. you go that's so you know th- it's a good thing we've got so much good high level professional sport uh, that we can soak up these days and you just don't get to see uh, as much of it however the one moment I did manage <laughs> to the, I'm gonna ask the about? timing about was the red card yeah um, and uh, yeah I've been thinking about this uh, a lot of things a couple of thoughts in no particular order just because it's an accident or without intent doesn't mean it doesn't deserve a red card mm-hmm. do we le- need to look at the rules around charge downs from the side is that if you are charging you know uh, coming across ways to try and charge that kick down are you asking for trouble so does that need to be part of, part of the analysis of it um, also uh, Caleb Clark is one of the few people that could have got up that high to actually cause that particular injury that's no excuse either though you need to know your own strength
0: okay now I'm going to respond a few of that and Levine I'll come to you in a second now an interesting point I raised with Justin Marshall at the start of the show is you know, rugby inherently is a brutal and sure. physical game. And we all accept that there are, you know, big problems around concussions and, and we're trying to protect the head area. And I think a lot of people accept that. But there is a big difference between these acts of intent where, you know, guys are going into tackles with the shoulder, yep. you know, aiming for for a sort of chest up tackle, which is always pushing the boundary a little bit. Now, those should be punished, but there should be a little bit more discretion from the referees when things are totally accidental maybe it 's not a red card, maybe it 's a yellow card you know as a, as punishment for this accidental act, but you know are the players just not getting the message with these red cards, or is rugby just a game that doesn 't lend itself to completely being cleaned up, like you just mentioned coming in from the side on like if we start looking at charge downs mm. of all acts as being dangerous things. You know, are we, like you could look at every little part of a rugby match and say that's becoming too dangerous. That's becoming too dangerous.
1: Yeah, I agree that that you can it can be fraught, but I think this one is worth looking at, tweaking it. Maybe you say that particular one is, is not an option. Mm. Lavina,
0: just quickly, your thoughts? Yeah, I
2: think yeah, just quickly, I think there's a big difference between intentional malicious play and accidental, like Caleb Clark going for for a charge down. But in the end, world rugby, you've said we want to cut down on the head high tackles and anything higher than an X. So the memo went out at the weekend. The red cards were... Um, allocated. But the thing is, for me, these sides that are getting red carded, they're still winning because 20 minutes later, a player can be replaced, which I find absolutely absurd. So, if World Rugby want to get serious on it and they really want to say no more head-high tackles, there's three things they need to do. One is, once you're sent off, you're sent off. You don't get a replacement player. You shouldn't be allowed a replacement player. Two is, the player that's been sent off, and if he's found guilty of a head-high tackle, hit them where it hurts. With the NRL and Rugby League made, it hurts in the back pocket. These boys love to make money so every time you do a head high tackle you get a red card not only are you sent off for the rest of the game, but you've got to spend $10,000 on your charity of choice, and that will reduce the head-high tackles. Third, if they're still doing the head-high tackles, take six points off them, put it on the other team. Then there'll be no more head-high tackles, I guarantee it. Bust them with the money, give them a ten grand fine, done and dusted.
1: Massive. Yeah, massive good calls, Good call, I agree with that as well. But I also think that these tweaks that we keep making to the game around head knocks and so on, people are like, oh, you you're removing the essence of rugby, the collision game and so on. We haven't ruined the game yet I'm not looking at it going oh that rule change they made last year I can see that playing out now you know we haven't got there yet mm. the sky hasn't fallen in on the I, game there'd be a lot of people who disagree with you on the text chat <laughs> Ruben
0: but I'll leave that for another day <laughs> just uh, wanted
1: to fire it up <laughs>
0: Lavina, <laughs> thanks for coming on Ruben as well uh, the panel uh, we do it every morning uh, here with Smitty thanks, thanks for joining us guys